and ride with me in my foul life. I'm back like a rebel making trouble. I'm an assassin kicking butt on the double. Nobody out there is going to stop me. So Joel, come and mess with me because I'm CB from Reno NV. We're sitting on a couch. I'm going to sit back and just let you do your thing and watch TV, the football game. It was the Titans versus the you-know-who. I don't remember the team that they were playing, but I am just saying that tonight was a great night with the salmon cakes that you made, provider style with the flaky rub and then the crosshairs in the tartar sauce. You are the boss when it comes to the kitchen did i forget to mention that i had a lot to do with this recipe it was all about me not just joel but jack and eli will attest that chad is the best when it comes to cooking his ass off do you want me to keep going with this freestyle rhyme i got all the time in the world but if you sit back and watch scooby-doo you're gonna go boo-hoo because it's almost halloween and you're gonna feel the fright of the dark night as chad comes like batman joel is his robin in the kitchen like howard stern with his robin who should shouldn't even be on that show after she talks it's a no-go for me i just turned that radio dial off do you want me to keep going joel you can do whatever you like man <laughs> i don't even know what that was it was a freestyle rap jack did you hear that yeah how was it pretty good i don't get any accreditation for being a hip-hop mc or like a uh like a one of the top five of all time. It was, Eli laughed at that. It wasn't horrible, but it was comedic. Like it was more funny than like solid. Like like you wouldn't. If I was in a rap battle, that wouldn't win. I think B I, I love B Rabbit. That movie, the last ten minutes of Eight Mile. Good freaking night. Like I will watch that as yeah, much as I cool. used to watch Rocky Three to get fired up. That's cool. Or Rocky Four when he whips Ivan Drago's ass there at the end in Russia. That last 10 minutes of that rap battle when Eminem schools them dudes. It's good. It's good stuff. That's a good movie. Yeah. Very good movie. That's a good movie. Eight Mile. And he never acted again. He won an Oscar for that for, I think, the soundtrack or a score play in it for a song in there. And Brittany Murphy's dead. Brittany Murphy died. Yep. Overdose? How'd you I'm bring up sure that? Exactly. Why did, where'd you go dark on that? I was talking good about the Oscar. I was Oscar. a big Brittany Murphy fan. Why? Nobody's she, ever said that. She was like, she was the the down and out girl who ended up cool and clueless. What's what's clueless? The movie or clueless. she was clueless. She ended no, up the clueless. The movie Clueless. No man has ever said that in the history of the I world. I have teenage daughters. What movie is it? Clueless. Yeah. Alicia Alicia Silverstone and hmm. um, Brittany Murphy and the woman who was the actor in that the also also the actress in that beautiful woman who became a very conservative pundit nationally i'm forgetting her name clueless yeah great teen coming is of it really movie. a good movie to watch like i should watch it right now in my mid-40s i would watch it with your daughter if i were you i'd wait till she's about 14 or 15 but i'd watch it with her all right yeah it's a good coming of age movie. But you loved Brittany Murphy after watching her on a movie called Clueless. Yeah, I liked her as an actress. Yes. What else was she in besides Eight Mile and Clueless? She's been in a few movies. I get Ash? bummed. I get bummed out anytime. The girl next door. I get bummed no. out anytime somebody young dies like that. Oh, I, don't get me wrong. It bums, but I didn't know that that you loved her career. Well, I didn't love her career, but she was clueless is where she really made her mark as a serious actress. I mean, not clueless. I'm sorry. Eight mile. 
Eight Miles, where she made her mark as a serious actress. Okay, I'm going to watch Clues when my daughter turns 14. I would. The other one I was thinking of was Just Married with Ashton Kutcher. I don't think I've seen that. It's not very good. You know what I have seen, though, is Wedding Crashers, and I love that movie. That's a funny movie. I also it's like good. Revenge of the, the Nerds. Look at the baby. Look at <laughs> They got phenomenal finger foods. That movie, that movie, Wedding Crashers, from the beginning when they're crashing weddings, right? And they're getting all ready and they strategize and they crash them. And then wedding season comes to an end and they fall asleep in the Capitol there in Washington, D.C. And the cop wakes them up, says, hey, you guys got to go. And they're all like hung over. And, and then the next scene, they're in their office, they're back to work. And bam, the news article comes out that that Christopher Walken's family is going to have the met wedding. I'll find you. Not Christopher Walken. Yeah. Uh, not Christopher Walken. I don't remember. Yeah. Christopher Walken. Yeah. More cowboy. Isn't he the dad in it? Yeah, he's the dad. Christopher Walken's the dad in Wedding Crashers. More cowboy. The senator, the assemblyman. And they're and they're looking at the paper and figuring out how to sneak into that one. And then they both fall in love from that wedding. And Borat's wife plays the redhead. I'll find you. <laughs> yeah, that movie's genius. I don't remember her name, but she's been in some good stuff since then, too. That redhead? Yeah. Yeah, Borat's wife. And then the little brunette's been in a ton of movies, too, I think. Anna told me that she's in a bunch of movies. The one that Owen Wilson gets. I don't know her real name. She's awesome in Wedding Crashers, though. She's the one that Bradley Cooper's engaged to in Wedding Crashers. Bradley Cooper's awesome in Wedding Crashers. That movie is freaking lights out hilarious. Agreed? Absolutely. Very funny. Isla Fisher? Yes. Yes. Isla Fisher is Borat's wife. Really? What's the brunette? Yeah, that's she's married to Borat in real life. What's Borat? Sasha Baraconan. Sasha Cohen Baron is Cohen. married to that redhead. Or they were anyway. I don't keep up with current event type of situations. But um they they were married at one time. Hmm. You hear that percussion? I I do. Is that known as water bottle percussion? Well, I have this fascination with drumming. Like I'm literally ordering a drum set right now. It's kind of therapeutic, actually. Did you find her name? Can you look up uh, Owen Wilson's uh, girlfriend in Wedding Crashers, please? Yes. Yes, it was. What other movies? Go to go to her list. Yeah. What else? You better not know that from seeing it. You better just read that. What he doesn't strike you as a sensitive soul? I don't even know what Notebook is, but it sounds like something that we wouldn't watch. With who? Ryan Gosling. I honestly am not. He, I don't know he's this. He's the he's the star of L.A. Story. With never seen that. Who was who never else seen was in that. L.A. Story with Ryan Gosling? Gosh, that was a fantastic movie. L.A. Story. You hear that? Those fingers. That's double bass. And then you got. And I'm so infatuated. Bill Burr, the comedian. Is become a proficient Maybe drummer. Maybe that's why you're so good at the feeder chuckle. Yes. La La Land, not LA Story. La La Land, Emma Stone. Gosh, Do the triple chuckle. Yeah, 
So anyway, <laughs> is that annoying? Um, it's it's both annoying and entertaining at the same time. I am time. building a drum set it's out right annoying. now. It's annoying. I will be a proficient drummer in the next three years. Like, want, I'm talking double it's bass. It's not going to take you three years to become proficient. Well, I don't have a lot of time to just study it and put it. I'm saying in the next three years, I'm going to put the allotted amount of time to become proficient. Not like Matt Sorum or Neil Pert or some of the greatest drummers ever. What's the guy's name in Tool? Eli, please Google the band Tool and tell me, is it Jeff? Uh, Eli. He left. I think he left Jack, the building. Will you please Eli, uh, Google Tool, the band? Say drummer from Tool. That dude, have you? Are you into drumming? You got to listen to I'm this cat music, drum. But not There's so many good drummers, drumming. dude. There's so many good rock drummers out there in every format of music. But I got my favorites. Lars Ulrich is okay in Metallica. Danny Tom, Carey. who? Danny Carey. Danny Carey. That dude is next level genius on the drums from the band Tool. Danny Terry. Yeah, he's he's drumming with a Carey. ton of people. The guy that just passed away. What's Danny the guy's Terry name that just passed away from the Foo Fighters? Um, uh, Taylor Hawkins. That dude is bad to the bone. I love drumming. I love percussion sections of bands, the bass and the drums. I've always been enthralled by drum solos, though. Every concert I ever went to, I wanted to see. When I went to Twisted Sister, my first concert ever, I wanted to see AJ Pirro drum and rest in I peace, AJ Pirro. I think the is the underestimated member of a lot of bands. I think he's the leader of the band. No, I'm saying the tempo, you can't have a good song without a good, you know, somebody keeping a good tempo. I think drummers are underestimated. Yeah, I think the front man gets a lot of the accolades and then you got Slash that becomes a personality. John Bon Jovi was the guy, but then you had Joe Perry. No, Joe Perry's... Uh, Steve Perry. Who's the Aerosmith guitarist with Steven Tyler? Good Joe guitar. Perry. It's always like the front man gets the accolades. Yes. But once course. in a while, a drummer like Neil Peart became famous because yes. of his solos. I would say he. Arguably, John Bonham from Led Zeppelin became pretty famous. His son's becoming famous. Anyway, tonight's episode of the Foul Life podcast is brought to you again by the provider. Join us at theproviderlife.com, at The Provider Life on Instagram and Facebook. Our ultimate pack, our dry rubs, our cookbook, The Provider Cookbook, 264 pages, 80 recipes. We love it. We're proud of it. The photography, the cover art, the endorsements on it. We're, we're truly excited about it. We're just getting started. We're working on some sauces. We're working on some wing sauces, barbecue sauces, two new rubs, the brand beef rub and the mother clucking chicken rub. We're fired up for the provider. And tonight we're talking recipes again, straight out of New York state, upper New York goose camp. It was pretty good. I think it would be called um, like, a, like being so out of the box with what you did with the salmon tonight. I brought a, a, a two fillets of King and a, or a fillet of King and a fillet of coho, big fillets. Yeah. And the entire pan of a giant pan, a giant skillet, skillet, 18 inch skillet. But that recipe was killer. And it all starts with some Napa Valley olive oil in a skillet and some 
spawn on the salmon on the redfish and it goes in there with a little bit of butter and you just tell me take me through the recipe well we and don't forget the tartar sauce because that was awesome homemade tartar sauce you did too we came up with the idea today of you know using the salmon because it was fresh you know in the fridge so we wanted to use it cook it in some way and we came up with salmon cakes like crab cakes, but like salmon. Like crab cakes, mm-hmm. but salmon cakes in the form of like a, a burger, salmon cake burger that we would finish on the Traeger grill. Um, so I kind of raced through my head. I used and I pulled a pulled an old recipe that I kind of made up at one point during the crappie run on Okachi Lake in Okachi, Wisconsin. During the crappie run, I would live for the crappie run because you could go out there and catch your limit of crappies of the old paper lips. And it was just amazing. And you'd want to be a little creative with what you cook sometimes. So I would, I guess the word is poach, poach the fish first. Uh, You poach the fish. So we took the salmon and I, I ran some Napa Valley olive oil and a giant cast iron skillet and threw the salmon slabs in there and hit them with uh, spawn and flaky out of the provider rubs and put a cover. I couldn't find a cover big enough to cover the whole pan, but I put a cover over the fillets and just let them simmer in there on a very low heat until they were cooked thoroughly with the provider spices and rubs on top of them. And it actually, you know how salmon very often smells fishy. Very. We had those rubs and spices on them uh, coated fairly well and, it was. It really smelled good as they were cooking, as they were poaching. Oh my gosh! I kept telling you, like, wow, that smells good in there. Yeah. But the, you kept saying a lot of it had to do with the binder, the the what you used to bind them. I well, I think the finished product sounded good, and I thought to myself, I used to do it at home with the crappie cakes. I would take the 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 poached crappie, and use your fingers like you're making a meatloaf, right? So you you mushle it together, for lack of a better word, and I would put italian breadcrumbs in with it and i thought what's something that's kind of out off script outside of it and we have the outlaw chips that are honestly the best tortilla chip i've ever tasted aren't they awesome they the are texture awesome. and the flavor huh? and they have so much flavor uh and so we got the we took one of the outlaw chips and i had the idea why don't we pulverize those chips and use that as the binder instead of italian breadcrumbs so we used the chili lime spice outlaw tortilla chips. There was about a quarter of a bag left of them. So I just kept them in the bag and pulverized them with one of the with the butt of one of the spices until they were pulverized inside. And once you have that poached fish, now make sure, you know, I went through it one more time to make sure there were no bones left in it. And literally took the poached fish, put it in a bowl added mayonnaise to it on top of the chips though you already had the chips I had broken the chips up in the, the bowl broken up in the bowl i mean powder powderized yeah you, you took a you took bowl. a rub bottle and put them in a ziploc bag yep and just started crushing them that's right so we had them crushed and pulverized put them in the bottom of a bowl and then i just dumped the salmon the poached salmon in pieces because i had literally gone through it piece by piece to make sure there were no bones with in clean it. hands with very clean hands of course and then we added to that uh more flaky so we, so we put a little more spice rub in there and then we added mayonnaise and a dash of mustard, 
one egg and a little more of the Napa Valley olive oil. Because when you're making something, a lot of people, they want to use a lot of egg to bind. They want to use a lot of eggs to bind. People make meatloafs. They put a lot of eggs in it. One thing that egg does when you're making a meatloaf or you're making a cake of some sort, the, the issue I have with egg is if you have a little too much egg in it, it makes it real too thick, too dense. So egg adds density to whatever you're doing. And my goal with these was to try to keep them flaky. Yeah. So it's real hard when you're making a cake and still having a flaky expectation to it. But I did think that using the outlaw chips pulverized would probably allow them to have a lighter flakiness to them because the consistency of the chip versus a heavier consistency, which would be egg heavy and uh, uh, with the breadcrumbs would be a heavier with breadcrumbs and eggs. So people discount a good olive oil as a binder very often and they use eggs <coughs> instead. And True. we did use one egg, but using- But you had a lot of meat in there for one egg and you don't want to overdo right. it like you're saying. You very right. easily could have put two eggs, but it would have overdone it. Right. It could have overdone it because I like to make, even I, when I make my meatloafs, I like them to be lighter instead of incredibly dense. And the thing that you did that I saw is that you use the egg and you got to a point to where you could tell as an experienced cook that we need a little bit more binder in there by the feel of it. Yes. So then you, that's when you went to the Napa Valley olive oil to finish out your, to not just flavor, but to, to get it to stick a little bit more. Get it to stick a little bit more. And it also never hurts to, to be adding a good fat to your protein. When it cooks, that fat is going to be absorbed by the meat, the protein, and the pulverized chips that are in there. So don't be afraid to try and use Napa Valley olive oil as a binder because and it was just a little too crumbly because you're walking a line when you make salmon cakes or fish cakes or crab cakes. You want it to hold together so that when it's on the grill, you can flip it and that burger holds together, but you don't want it to be a hockey puck when it's done, that it's so dense that it's like, you know, fruitcake right. when you're done. So you, you want to make sure it holds together, but isn't too dense. So we use olive oil at the end and then we put a little more flaky in, uh, like I said, and then we just patted them out like hamburgers on the plate. And I did act, add some fairly finely chopped onions to it. And that for me is a texture thing. <laughs> I love when a fish cake or, or a crab cake's got some chive in it or some onion in it, uh, because when you're biting it, that mouthfeel is a little different when you have the onions. And now if someone doesn't like onions, obviously you can use onion powder if you want that flavor to not have the crunch of the onion. Or I the like onion the crunch, but I don't like to overpower the fish with too much onion. You use the right. perfect amount tonight. Right. And that amount of salmon for the amount of cakes that we were going to do. Yeah. And we ended up with six, probably third pound to half pound salmon cakes out of it uh took those to the traeger to put a nice uh finishing sear on the outside of those get the grill marks in them and it never hurts and one of the greatest things about using the traeger is selecting the wood pellets you want we use the apple pellets tonight and they just give it that finish of smokiness in there which you can never go wrong with salmon or any redfish or any fish for that matter just to, to give them that hint of smoke that makes people say what is that right on that finish that tastes so delicious but i can't quite put my finger on it and that's when something's smoked the right way and it's not overly smoked but you're getting the broiler action 
on the Traeger with that little bit of smoke taste. A little bit of smoke, and you're also getting conduction. Uh, convec- That's true. Convection, convection, I mean, that is cooking it all together to where you're not going to, you know, get a real crispy outside and you're not going to get a unfinished middle. And plus you're not going to get some on the left side that, you know, on the top rack that are done less than the ones on the bottom rack. Everything is kind of equaled out on a Traeger. So they're on the Traeger, they're getting their grill marks. They don't, they're already cooked because you started them and you got them to almost right around medium rare, not medium yet in the, in the olive oil on the skillet. And now why that's finishing up on the grill we got our buns that we're going to take out to the grill in a little bit, and we're going to get those on to get a crisp on them. We didn't even put butter on them because I don't want to mask the flavor of that salmon at all. Because now the next part is we said, well, let's get, it'd be cool to have a little bit of tartar sauce. And you went right into, I said, I can make tartar MacGyver. Sauce. You went into a MacGyver, uh, what we call the MacGyver format of making <laughs> something it. up. That's the greatest thing about camp is you got to use what's available to you and you're not at your house, right? So you have to pull what's in the fridge or what you might've bought. I'm going to tell you something. So many people will go to the store and they buy tartar sauce. And if you read, if you ever read the ingredients on a tartar sauce jar that you buy, there's 150 ingredients, everything from BHT and preservatives and gar gum and uh, xanthan gum. You don't need any of that in your tartar sauce and your tartar sauce can turn out 10 times better. With two people tonight that would not take it on their salmon burger, their salmon cake burger, Patty. That's right. Said... I, I said, will you please try this after the fact? And they just had a little fork full and they both said, that's good. That's really good. The that's be- good. The the best, the best favor you can ever do yourself when you're doing an at-home fish fry or broiled fish and you want some tartar sauce is to make it yourself. It is so easy. There's two basic ingredients that is any tartar sauce that's going to be creamier, richer, more flavorful and less fake tasting less plasticky tasting. less intrusive on Le- your body. much less intrusive also that was very enjoyable mild flavor yes that accompanied the fish a lot of tartar sauce is so overpowering because of what you're talking too about sweet They're overpowering and sweet too like that had the perfect amount of pickles we put a little crosshair in there with the, yep. the rub very and the spices and that little tiny bit of olive oil mayonnaise yes and lemon juice. And lemon juice. That's it. That's it. That's it. So take some pickles out if you have them. Take some pickle relish out if you have it. Mix it with your mayonnaise. Now you want your tartar sauce to be a little less thick than mayonnaise is. You don't want gelatinous tartar sauce. So you're going to have that creamy aspect. Chop your pickles up to whatever size you want them. Throw the pickles in there. Add uh, just a shot of lemon juice. I like that little tart flavor. And me personally, if I'd had a little fresh dill, that would have gone in there. But we used the crosshairs, which has got dill in it. And it was just the absolutely perfect finish to that tartar sauce. We had a creamy, not overwhelming, not overly sweet or or overpowering tartar sauce that was real rich uh, to top those salmon cake burgers when they came off of the Traeger on toasted buns. And at that point, you're just putting it together. The cool thing about this recipe is it really is not a lot of work and it really doesn't take very long. The only thing that was a lot of work was the boning. Deboning the fish. The deboning of the fish. And you know, it, it, you want to be careful if you're making patties. Yeah, you don't you want, want to be bite very in. careful because that can ruin someone's someone's burger. Fish patty bones are by not biting fun. into a fish bone. They're not fun. They're not enjoyable. And I'm going to say something else too. The beauty of this recipe is that you can use any fish, 
any fish from your freezer on any given day, poach it, mush it together uh, with the ingredients, use any binder you want. Get creative with your binders. Look in your cabinet. If you've, if you've had a box of cornflakes sitting in there for three months and there's some scraps in the cornflakes, use the cornflakes as your binder. Use saltine crackers, use Ritz crackers, use outlaw chips, use the bag of Fritos that's left. Use popcorners if that's all you got in your pantry. And be creative with your binder because the flavor that we had in those uh, spicy chili lime chips tonight really added flavor and color uh, and to not the over, salmon cakes. Not overpowering. not overpowering. It was good. Man. And it gave it a cool color. And they were the perfect consistency. And color. They end, yeah, they, It gave it like this kind of reddish chili colored hue to it, yeah. which is very appealing. And it hit that balance on the nuts. It was that flaky. Yet it was so burger. good. Like that's it was it was like I give credit was credit was due. That was nailed. That was Thank good you. shit. I appreciate it. I and it so wasn't too. like like a lot of crab cakes you'll get got that breading that gets greasy the way they prepare them in too much grease and too much oil. Right. That was so enjoyable the experience to eat it. Yeah, it was fantastic. Everybody that they tasted it was great. like, man. You accompanied it with some lemon slices and some other and some other outlaw ch- snacks chips on the plate, but you could add coleslaw. You could add whatever you want on there. We're in Goose Camp. We're doing what we can do. We we traveled across the country from Nevada through Texas. We went from Nevada to Vegas. Right, we're in northern Nevada. We went to Vegas. We went all the way across Arizona, all the way across New Mexico, into Texas, down into Waco, Texas, to visit Ted Nugent. Continued on into El Campo, hunted teal for three days, then drove up. Texas through Texarkana and Arkansas into Tennessee through Memphis on I-40 into Nashville with a cooler in the trailer. Always when we got to Texas, we put it in a, all took it out of the cooler, put it in the freezer, reconditioned our, our, our gator cooler with ice, put it back in there, got to Nashville, kept adding ice to it to keep it frozen. Went from Nashville to Ohio to see Fred Zink, put ice on it and then drove from Ohio to Syracuse. Spent the night in Syracuse with that cooler of all this fine meat. Wow. And then from Syracuse up here to Goose Camp, got it all out and put it right into the refrigerator because now we know that we're going to be eating all of this meat all you all week long. To Also, with the Canada geese we're killing, tomorrow night we're going to do again, we've already did this recipe, but we're going to do a, a video recording for Foul Life, season 15 of Benelli's The Foul Life. We're going to record Canada goose liver tart, uh, um, Liver pate. Liver pate. And we're going to do Canada goose, pulled Canada goose, outlaw chips, nachos oh, that are going to be beautiful best. with jalapenos and cheese and onion and tomatoes and pepper. They're going to be awesome. And we're doing Florida alligator with the flaky rub, with some flour, with the fry and Wisconsin cheese curds. Yes. That's badass. And a homemade and that, tzatziki sauce. That food was projected to be in our in our meals and taken care of all the way across the country. Instead of coming out here and going and buying food, it's all food we killed and harvested and caught, fish we caught, that we're eating right now. How cool is it? That's the greatest. And we brought it all the way across the country. That just makes me happy. Who does that kind of shit? <laughs> That's crazy. great. You're constantly it. making sure that and, it's frozen and cold and ice and everything. And we kind of come, I mean, honestly, Chad, we kind of come up with what we're going to eat day before or day of and just make it, make it happen. But that really should be an example to anyone out there who wants to try something. Don't be afraid to try it. Don't be afraid. Um, and if you like tart, add a little lemon or lime juice to what you're 
tartar sauce is or if you're making a tzatziki sauce to go on gyros, you know, add a flavor you like to it. That's I love that lemon juice part and I loved I love the lemon juice. I love the crosshairs. The tartar sauce was killer. I told you that when you were making it. I'm like, man, that really smells good. good. And I'm not a huge, huge mayo buff. I like mayo somewhat, but I'm not a huge mayo buff. Um, did we put mustard in there a little yeah, bit? Yeah, a little dash of mustard, We forgot too. the little bit of mustard in the tartar did, sauce. Yeah. And you don't need to do that. I like mustard. So I, I actually, I put mustard in my coleslaw when I make it. A little dash of mustard in my coleslaw when I'm making coleslaw sauce for it too but so much we've gotten it's gotten so easy to just buy a jar of something from the store when in reality it is really not much more work to make it at home it's not the, and it you made a comment tonight so much better you made the comment tonight that is like the cleanup is the the agony like when you're the cook you should have a crew that cleans up after you <laughs> it should because it's a lot of work to cook um and we're we're pitching in. We're all we got it. We're, I hate messes. I hate flies. Yeah. I hate waking up to a sink full of dirty dishes from the night before, or an oven that's stained with overflow and spillage. You know, and floor that's sticky. Like if you just take twenty minutes and clean it up, you're done. And then your next cooking experience is right back in right. there. Correct. We let that cleanup phase get in our way a lot because you're like, ah, it's going to be easier to go out tonight. Yes, it's going to be easier just to go out tonight and let them clean it up. But going out to eat and getting a steak, I have I become so critical of beef now when I order a steak at a restaurant that I very rarely and I mean this very rarely enjoy going out to dinner for a steak. I'm always like, that wasn't that good. That just wasn't that good because the way we cook now, like you cannot go to Maryland and find a better crab cake that tasted better than that salmon tonight. It was pretty fantastic. It was awesome. And you know what else? We did it in one pan and two bowls. One pan, two bowls, and a Traeger. That's how long it took us to clean up one pan and two bowls. And made everybody happy. Everybody loved it. It was salmon that was caught by us in our network. The salmon didn't cost us a dime, except for the thousands of dollars it takes to get to Alaska (laughs) and and going out on a boat. Costs a lot of money, right? Yeah. But we know where it came from. We know what bait caught it. We know what water temperature was. We know what depth we were at. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a cool story. No salmon cakes not only fed people the night. We had the outfitters, the guides here, a couple of them. And they're like, holy shit, that's good. Yes. Wow, that's good. Yeah. And think about this. And we know the story behind it. Every Add all the ingredients we used together, and it wouldn't even be one-fifth of the ingredients on one bottle of purchased tartar sauce. Yeah. And... The amount of money in that meal. Let's just say that your buddy gave you some salmon and you take that cost out of it. The buns were a dollar. The buns, the, the per sandwich, the buns were 20 cents for the bun. Right. The tartar sauce was a little mayo, a little mustard, a couple pickles, a little bit of a dry rub, a little bit of lemon juice. Maybe a buck. Uh, Maybe. For the whole thing. Yeah. A buck. Then yeah. you got... Six buns times 20 cents is a buck 20 plus a buck is a dollar two twenty. The salmon was free because it was caught by a friend that gave it to us because we've given him duck meat before. That's the heart of a hunter bartering. The chips would be six ninety nine for the bag and we ate about a dollar and a half worth of them. Right. With with putting them into the mix of the fish. No doubt. We fed. You're in that meal ten bucks. You're in that meal ten dollars if you're counting elbow grease to cook it and clean it. 
with with what we did. We're in at ten bucks. I think it's probably more, closer to five or six. Yeah, bucks to feed. Well, I'm, six I'm people. giving us a little bit more than our times You're worth a little leeway. bit. Well, we got to clean up too. And pellets, pellets. We got to clean up. Yeah, that's a that's unreal we to just get fed that flavor. Six people for about high 10 in bucks. protein, good fats, unbelievable flavor, and the most important part of it is that it was hunted and fished, and there's a story behind it. Yes. Because if you could watch Chris Ravencroft fish, you'd be like, holy smokes, that dude knows what he's freaking doing. And he's a surgeon. I call him the surgeon. It doesn't matter what you're fishing for. He smokes their ass. So that's what is cool about the provider mentality. And think about the food we've been eating the last few days. It's been unbelievable. And tomorrow it's not going to stop. No, tomorrow's going to be really good. We have two Canada goose recipes tomorrow, Wisconsin, authentic Wisconsin cheese curds and alligator. What? Yeah. And, and the cheese curds are going to be part of the nacho too. Alligator euros that people are going to look at them cross-eyed and then they're going to take a bite and go, holy we're cow. Doing, I forgot to mention that part. With the flaky rub, we're doing Greek or we're doing Florida alligator Greek euros with tachiki tzatziki. Tachiki sauce. Tachiki sauce. Um it's going to be amazing. I hope so. Do we have the pita bread? Yes. It's going to be unbelievable. It's well, and you know what we'll do? We'll give the pita bread a little softening, a little crust on it on the Traeger. You're doing that hanger deal with the Traeger and oh, all that? Oh, heck yeah. Absolutely. You're excited for do tomorrow? I, I am excited. I love it. Nothing, I, you know, part of it is from being the son of an Italian mom. Nothing makes me happier than to make people happy by feeding them. What are you, what is your saying is my favorite food is, or what? Food is my favorite dish. Food is my favorite dish. <laughs> yeah. you also, love- that also uh, exposes me to my largest weakness and most difficult thing in life, which is not overeating. <laughs> it's easy to do. I could have eaten three. I was so proud of myself I could have for not destroying that other one that was sitting there. Easily I could have because it was so good and so fresh and you're just like, man, that's freaking good. I never met a food I didn't like. Really? Never. I love it. I'm not a big fan of sea urchin. I don't think I've ever tried sea urchin, but I've had I don't. Eel. I don't like mackerel. I'm not a huge fan of eel. I like unagi. I like it, but I'm not. It's a like huge a candy. It. And if it's fresh, it's good. If it gets, you don't want to do it if it's bad, but. Eel and mackerel make my head spin a lot of times. Hmm. I don't like those. Not yeah. eel. Uh, mackerel and what was the other one I just said? Sea urchin. Sea urchin. I don't like sea urchin at all. I've never had sea urchin. At all. Have you ever eaten sea cucumber? Yes. It is what it is. Never tried that either. <laughs> um. That meal tonight was awesome. That was good. That's a provider. That's coming into a kitchen and MacGyvering it and just coming up with something that's like unorthodox. That salmon could have very easily been smoked. It could have just been roasted. It could have been broiled. It could have been anything. It could have been put on the top of a salad like we do so much with salmon. But we mashed it up and made salmon cakes and made them into a burger form and blew people's mind. Yeah, that was great. I can't wait to try the goose nachos I tomorrow. I think it tasted better than most crab cakes that I I eat. just said that. Yeah. You won't go to Maryland and find a better crab cake than that. 
You just won't. You just won't. Hey, Eli. Yeah. Come here real quick, would you? Eli's been, he's, he's been coughing for six months. You ever heard of Robitussin? Robitussin? Put some Tussin on it. Tussin? Did you like the salmon cake? Yeah, it was good. It was really good. He usually says it's pretty good, but he said that's good. That's pretty good. So that was, was really good. It was pretty good. You were just the best man, best man in a wedding? I was. Stand up real quick, and I want to hear your best man speech with that microphone. <laughs> Uh, Did you cough all during it? No, it was about the only less than five minute span that I didn't cough in like two days. Did you get some? Did anybody come up to you after and say, "Man, that was that was driven. Like that was awesome." Did his mom come up and be like, "That was the highlight of the night." I mean, I would. Yeah, the mother of the groom or bride. Yeah, that was the highlight of their night. Well, I mean, that was a big part of it. Did Did, did anybody give you compliments? Yeah, I got a couple. Com- Excuse me, a couple compliments on it. Yeah? Yeah. Were you happy with it? Yeah. How long was it? No clue. A couple minutes? I mean, it It was probably like two minutes. That's it? Maybe. Yeah. Is that really short? That's a really best short man best speech. man speech. That's just my intro. Then you got to get into stories. Then you got to get into future. No, everybody I know said if it's five minutes, that's kind of long. Not really. That's your best friend. He made you travel all the way across the country during duck season to go to that shindig. I mean, I would have gone to it regardless of the season. You should have put it in about eight to ten minutes. Joel, two minutes is a little short. It's a little short for a best man speech. I think, I mean, I've I've been at weddings where the best man drones on for 30, 40 minutes. No. 30, 40? Yes. Yes. Really? Yes. No way. I've heard some Somebody very, would have stood up and said, I have sit heard down. some very torturesome best man speeches. 40 minutes. There was a best man speech for a wedding I stood up in once. And the, the best man was, I mean, it was, I don't know if he had a few before he gave the speech or not, but he started talking about guys giving each other titty twisters during the speech and he was the best man of the groom yes yes yeah Yeah, it was kind of like a speech that you see when they try to make a bad best man speech in a movie yeah like the one in uh the one in um Wedding Crashers, when he's like, and on my ninth stint in rehab. <laughs> or what about Will Ferrell in Old School? I love you, Dad. Remember when he's getting married? Yeah. Oh, God, those scenes were funny. Those two movies are legit. But you did like the salmon yeah. cakes? Yeah, yeah I, I really liked it. It was really good. You're not a tartar sauce fan, but you tried the tartar sauce tonight. Yeah. How'd you feel about it? It was good, but I just felt like maybe try it plain the first time. Yeah, but you wanted to put ketchup on it. Yeah, when he said that, I almost kicked him out. <laughs> I'm telling you, you don't do that. Uh, I'm not my ketchup kind of guy. On salmon. I mean, I put it on my potato chips too, so. You put ketchup on chips? Just like your plain, regular, just salted, like, Lay's potato chips. 
Or wavy potato chips? They have ketchup-flavored potato chips. In Canada, really. Big in Canada. Like, if you, it's just like a French fry. You dip your fry in ketchup. You just dip your chip in ketchup. No, it's not. Try it next time. I don't know of anything cold that ketchup goes on. The ketchup goes good with. Anything cold? Cold. Corn dog is hot. Hamburger and cheeseburger is hot. Eggs are hot. If you put on eggs, I don't put it's on. It's weird eggs. to put ketchup on eggs. It's so weird, but people put ketchup on. I'm thinking of things that people put ketchup on. People put ketchup on, uh, um, deli sandwiches sometimes, and that's really weird to me. Yes. Um, but anything cold does not take ketchup. Ketchup is not a go-to cold condiment. It's a mixed medium. Doesn't go. Some, some people medium. have cold ketchup. I mean, I keep my ketchup in the fridge. What are you talking about? All ketchup's cold. Well, it's all in the fridge. That's people, my point. Some people don't put them in the fridge, though. Where do they put? Well, you can keep them on the table. Yeah. Shit lives for 30 years. <laughs> but you don't. I don't know of any dishes that are cold that you put cold ketchup on. Nobody heats up ketchup. You put no. it on chicken nuggets. I know my daughter used to put on chicken nuggets. Then she moved to ranch a little bit. I Everybody thinks on, they need a dipping sauce. Chicken, nu- chicken nuggets. I love chicken nuggets. If they're done right and yeah, they're breaded right, I don't need any sauce. The old McDonald's chicken nuggets were excellent. Yeah, until they, they went changed to the-, the recipe and, it, and they're not as good. They stopped um, using dark meat. Wait a minute, though. I'm still confused on the ketchup on the chips. You don't put ketchup on cold things. If, that's weird to me. Like ketchup makes things soggy. You know, like you don't. I don't know of anything cold that you would put ketchup on. Is there anything? I'm trying to think. You don't like dip a cold, you know, like if you have like a, a, a charcuterie board or appetizers and you go through and you got your salamis and your vegetables and your pickles and your olives, you don't ever like put ketchup on as a condiment. It's usually no, mustard, 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 ranch. Is a cold mustard and ranch, mustard is a cold condiment, condiment, uh, mayo is a cold Condiment, mayo goes on sand cold deli sandwich. Cold deli deli sandwiches, but not ketchup. I've never heard anybody say they dip chips in ketchup, but that's true. You only put ketchup on hot stuff. Now there are restaurants that specialize in homemade chips, right? They specialize in homemade chips. So, and sometimes those are served warm, but I still have never dipped those in ketchup. I don't know, Eli. I think you're a little (laughs) off on the ketchup. Next time, try it. It's really good. Never am I going to try that. I love the I guess, taste. I guess it's just a Southern thing. I, I just know. like, no, I've been in the South a ton. I mean, I know a bunch of people in the South that put- I don't know any. Potato or I eat with a lot of Southerners shit. and I've never seen people, but I don't I don't think I've hung hey, out with a lot of Southerners that are eating example. chips. People dip onion rings in ketchup, but no one dips Funyuns in ketchup. The perfect example. What's a, The Funyun is the one that's the cold chip, the cold the onion round chip. onion ring. Yeah. Like that, that has no chip. onion in it, probably. But yeah. they, you don't dip those in ketchup. I mean, I've never tried that, but no, I don't typically. The point is, it's a addiction and a mind, you know what, that we have to have ketchup on things. Ketchup is a taste. If you just went in and grabbed a bottle of Heinz, which if you go into a restaurant and they don't have Heinz, you walk out. You go into a restaurant and they don't serve Coke, you walk out. That's my opinion, but it's a... Might be a fact. No, it's a fact. You don't trust Hunt's ketchup. 
you don't you don't trust true value ketchup. You just don't. You don't. I don't know. Red gold is pretty good. Not a chance in hell. Heinz. Hey, sir, cough a lot. You want to chill out? Um, Sorry about that. You don't trust anything but Heinz, but you don't go up to a ketchup bottle and go and squeeze it into your mouth because it tastes so good. You don't do it. You don't, you don't, you can't sit here and tell me that ketchup tastes good. You ever thought about that? I think ketchup tastes delicious. Because of the food you're putting on, how it accompanies it because of the salt and everything. But ketchup is a whole, if you just squirt it in your mouth, it does not taste good. There's no way you could tell me that tastes good. Yeah, but who squirts any sauce into their mouth? Oh, plenty of people. They do? I would think so. You don't squeeze ranch into your mouth either. Oh, I've seen people drink ranch pretty much. (laughs) They do. They put it on everything. Come on. But that's not my point. If you went up and grabbed ranch and it's sitting there, right? And you dip a fork in there or just a toothpick. To taste it. Ranch, that's pretty good. Well, sure. I make a lot of sauces. I taste the sauces. Seasoning or ketchup is not taste good. Oh, see, I'm the vinegar freak. I love vinegar. There's no way ketchup tastes good to me. There's just, it's not something that you walk up and go, oh man, I'm going to try that just by itself. Do you eat ketchup on things? If I put anything on a hamburger, it's ketchup only. Like if I go to In-N-Out, I'll get a double, double ketchup only. But most of my hamburgers have zero condiments. When I cook hamburgers, they don't have anything on them. If I put cheese on them, that's it. No butter on the bun. No breadcrumbs in the meat, just a tiny egg of American almond beef. And a smash burger. (laughs) It's unbelievable. (laughs) Does that make sense? Ketchup does not taste good. We just have this fascination with it because we've been conditioned to put a French fry taste absolutely next level without ketchup on it. If it's done right, if it's if it's got the right flavor and the right browning and the right crisp and the right amount of salt and it was cooked in the right grease at the right temperature for the right amount of time. And it's hot. And it's hot. You do not need ketchup, cold ketchup on it. Well, the quintessential French fry is the McDonald's French fry, right? Quintessential of all time. I, I there's very very few be- this guy takes me we're in Texas the other day he's like and I come from the land of in and out he's like we're going to Whataburger I'm like Whataburger sucks in and out is the bomb the bomb so I'm like dude the they have a, they have a merch line that people buy shirts from them they buy hats that say in and out burger on them and their people, fries are awesome by awesome because they're fresh cut these guys yes. go, they got the skin on them and I'm like dude first of all these, awesome. they have the palate of in a three year old burger is the best franchise burger you will ever eat period I've had in do you have a hair in your throat I don't know but every time what is the freaking deal I don't know I don't know anyways control it. Be disciplined. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyways, I've had In-N-Out like three or four times. Every time, the fries have tasted so bland. Oh, my God. They're so good. They're so fresh. They There's not great. one thing in there that they like don't cut. They don't. They don't. They make they cut a, their, they've got such a lightness to it. And they cut their fries every day. They slice them every day. You can day. watch them do it. 
They're cutting them in the back. That as they're so making awesome, them. that machine. As they're making So anyway, them. we're in Texas and they're like, we're going to Whataburger. <laughs> him and this other guy from Texas yeah. that we were with. Not a we're fan. going to Whataburger. I had it a couple times. Andrew Cashin took me there. I'm like, this is not good. So anyway, we get these burgers. We're in there and we're starving. We've been driving up. We've been, we got to eat. We're headed to Nashville. It's like an 11 or 13 hour drive and we're like seven or eight out. We still got like five or six hours left. I'm like, this is the worst burger I've ever eaten. There was nothing good about it. It was not just bland, but it was literally like a, I, I told these guys. Was it mushy this, too? It was like soybean, like soybean. I'm like, this is not a burger. And the guy that they were trying to impress with it, Jack, Jack was looking so forward to it. I heard so much about this. He's like, this is terrible. My daughter, terrible. my daughter goes to Baylor and like two blocks from where she lives, there's an In-N-Out burger next to a Whataburger. And I'm telling you, I don't understand it, but there is like this almost rivalry of like people taking sides between In-N-Out Burger and Whataburger. Well, it's always Texans because it's everything's better in Texas, they think. you When you go to Whataburger, I've never seen a line of cars. It's always empty. Easy to get into. You go to In-N-Out at any time of the day, it's like freaking Chick-fil-A. I love it. It's 100 cards deep so with three outside waiters and wait. Uh, t- Order takers. Everything's fresh. Everything's fresh. Their their staff is friendly and cordial. Always and professional. Awesome. I just well groomed. And dude, when you walk in, when you clean, when as you try a to whistle. franchise one of those places, for years uh, my friend tried to franchise them in Reno, and they're they're located in Southern California. Yeah. That's where their headquarters are. They would not do it, and they said, "Why? We're not that far." They said, "Because the snowstorms over the past." If we can't get our fresh beef fresh in here beef. every day and fries and yeah. lettuce and everything that we serve our burger with. We won't do it. Isn't and that fu- incredible? And, they, and it took it took 15 years later, we got our first in and out when they got big enough to have distributing in different places um, for their fresh ingredients. What a burger? Uh-uh. That ain't fresh. I, I promise you that menu, you look at that menu board, you go, nope, this ain't going to even come close to in and out. Now, again, it's an opinion. But Joel, but it's fact. Is it a fact that In-N-Out's better? To me, it is. I feel that Whataburger makes you cough a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to this. <laughs> Every time you do it, I'm going to do it. That's fine with me. So anyway, we solved that argument. That like I, when people say In-N-Out is not good, like Jen, you know Jen. They don't understand. You talk to Jen. Jen flips out for In-N-Out. She's from LA. Well, and she's like, it's not even close. I like went to college in LA. It's the best fast food burger. It's not even a fast. It's gourmet. It is In-N-Out's the best. Gourmet. Fr- I don't ever say fast food. I say franchise. It's the best franchise yeah. hamburger. You, you will can't ever go to Red eat. Robin and get a better burger. No, than you that. cannot. You nope. can't go. You can't go to Applebee's. Chili's is has a good burger menu. I mean, I don't eat these places, but they have burgers on their menu. What about what about Brahms down in Brahms? Oklahoma. Pretty good. The problem, but it ain't In and Out. It's not the burgers In-N-Out nowhere near burgers. it. You go in there, you you know they have a whole like secret menu at In and Out. Yep, the back door menu. Yep, it's animal the best. styles and different onions. Four all, by four, four by four is five oh, by five. I think gosh. they quit doing the four by four and the five by five. I don't think so. Yeah, I think because of like cardiologists, cardiology. You used to, I mean, when we were in college, you could get six by six, seven by seven. Yeah, when I was a freshman at UNLV, they built an In and Out on our campus. 
Oh, and awesome. I had a metabolism by back then. I still do, but I had a big time metabolism. And remember, Big Daddy, my metabolism. Oh, that's a whole shitload of piss. <laughs> He's cleaning up. I love Big Daddy. Um, What's your name? He'll spell it for you when they're all walking out the window and he's peeing on the wall. That movie's funny. Steve Buscemi when he's talking about McDonald's and what he wanted on the breakfast what menu. The ketchup scene. Oh, the ketchup scene. I want four packets. Um, I think that was twins that played that kid's role in that it movie. That which later played in the Disney show. Uh, we don't mention Sidekick. Disney over here. Do we, Joel? I don't know what you're talking about. You like Disney? <laughs> Not me. Um, <laughs> I don't currently like Disney. I never will again. I had some pretty awesome experiences at Disney World with my kids when they were little. Yeah, it's overpriced as shit. Yes. They look alligators out. Um, anyway, we were just talking about in and out and franchise burgers. Brahms, all these menus that have burgers on them. It's not touching. It is not touching in and out. My metabolism was high and I had no problem going into that store and freaking getting three double doubles and smoking them at lunch after I'd been to morning weights that morning and had practice that afternoon. It was so good every day and so consistent. It's so consistent. I've never had one burger in and out different than the another one. And I've been eating there since 1993. Very rarely. Because we only had them in Reno. To get them in where I lived, you still had to drive 100 miles into California to get them on your way to Sacramento. was the closest one, 100 miles from our house. And we would do it. We'd be like, Sunday, we're going in and out and take a trip over the mountain. Even in the wintertime. And the lines, it don't matter if it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You're 20 cars deep. Yeah. In college, we had to drive from Pepperdine down to UCLA's campus to get in and out burgers. It was we did it. We just started talking about burgers and ketchup and everything. I just don't know of anything cold that you put ketchup on. I've never heard of this chip deal. That's weird to me to put a cold ketchup on a cold chip. Ketchup does not taste good on its own, in my opinion. You don't just sit there and dabble your finger in it and go, man, that's really good. Like you could do that with like a Houston sauce or like some kind of like uh, like um, sauces that you would put on steak like we did the other night with that Barbecue speck. sauces. Barbecue sauces you could do it, which ketchup's a base of that. But th- there's a difference between that that tomatoey taste that where ketchup is not something to where you're like, man, that's really good. I'm going to try that again. You could take a spoonful of barbecue sauce and be like, that's got a pretty good flavor to it. Ketchup. You got to admit, it's not that it's, you don't do that with ketchup. Ketchup is not, you don't do that with ketchup because everybody already knows what ketchup tastes like. You do that with a, a new sauce because you don't know what it tastes like yet. You do it with ranch. If you didn't experience ketchup before, you would put it on a spoon and taste it. Yeah, I mean, not everybody's barbecue sauce tastes the same. I don't think like if you take a mini corn dog and dip it in ketchup, that it's that it make that it enhances the mini corn dog flavor. I love ketchup and mustard on corn dogs. Love it. See, I'm a I'm an I put I'm, a strip of ketchup down one side, a strip of mustard down the other. I'm almost. I'm becoming. I'm becoming more and more like Jennifer, our assistant and our project manager, that she's anti-condiment. She does not use condiments on her burgers. And now I, and and I very rarely ever have. I think that loading your burger up, like we talked about the other night on the podcast, is a waste of time. Simplicity is everything in hot dogs and burgers. So would you call it a waste of taste? 
I think so. I think that you. I think that you're masking what is so good if you're cooking with the right beef. And you, my dad used to yell at me for putting too much ketchup on stuff. Yeah, you should. He used to yell at me at the table. A one on steak. When people do that, they should be slapped. You're drowning it. He's yes, drowning. because he's insulted. I told you about Tyson. How he insult me on every meal I'd cook. Tom, our guy Tom, who's a badass, is a sauce fanatic that me you call too. people. I'll put ketchup, mustard, mayonnaise, and avocado on a burger. And just completely destroy the and taste pickles. of the beef. And you don't even taste the beef. No. You don't even taste the beef. You're tasting all of that nonsense. It's a you've flavor been con- explosion, Chad. No. It's a conditioning that you've ruined your culinary experience with over the years. Because burgers are good. Simplified. Something that goes to your point, though. It does actually go to your point, which I disagree with fundamentally, by the way. I disagree fundamentally with it. No offense to you, but I disagree fundamentally with it because I love all those flavors coming together. But something that goes to your point is that when we go to a restaurant, my wife orders her burger and literally tells the server, meat, cheese, and bun, please. Meat, cheese, bun. I would like it plain because it is so ingrained in our culture that even when she orders a plain burger more than half the time it comes with ketchup on it more than half the time it comes with ketchup when she orders a plain so she's gone to saying i would like a plain cheeseburger please with just meat cheese bun because it's so ingrained that they automatically do it even if you order a plain burger almost every time at mcdonald's if you do the cheeseburger happy meal my daughter she would get the cheeseburger happy meal she wanted nothing on it so you'd say just meat and cheese and then they would be like just meat and cheese because they come with pickles onions and ketchup and mustard i don't think so mcdonald's hamburgers come with mustard 90 percent of the time you'd open it up and have ketchup on it of course they'd still put the ketchup on it because it's just so customary to people i'm i'm with your wife of the simplicity of a burger if it's done right some burgers you got to have ketchup on if it's not cooked right. And you don't want to make a scene. You're like, oh, wow. Like those ones we had the other day and and where we were, where we're not going to say any names on this podcast. I was like, I need water. I need some milk. I need something because I'm not going to throw fit, but this is not a good burger. And you needed something on it. But a good, a well-cooked, prepared cheeseburger needs nothing except the salt, the garlic salt, or the pepper. Yeah. Well, yeah, on the meat. But not a ton. Uh, our crosshairs rub in the provider. Take this to the bank. If you mix a little Himalayan pink sea salt on the patty with the provider rub already in it when you're making the patties, yeah. but not the salt already in it, just the rub. Meatball. Smash it out. Meatball with the rub in it. Smokes it on a Traeger. Comes off after it smokes for 12 minutes. It's probably going to be somewhere at 90 degrees, 90 to 100 degrees. Onto the conduction unit or the convection unit on the Traeger with your skillet. Little Napa Valley olive oil. Smash it down on one side. Hold it. Pull that up. Flip it over. One twist of the Himalayan salt shaker grinder. Your cheese on there. Done. Pull it off, set it on your 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 grease tray, let it drip for a second, 
On to the bun. Toasted bun. <laughs> the toasted bun, Joel, with no butter on it. Just top rack of the Traeger with a little bit of a little bit of crisp to it. A little bit of <laughs> Okay. Do you need to go to the hospital? Hey, yeah, I, I've never seen anything like it. It's <laughs> It's like he forces himself. He can't stop. <laughs> um, that's it. That smash burger style, which they've been doing that. But if you get it right and you get your cheese on there and let it melt, why that that why that first side is already done. You don't need to press the second side. Boom. Joel's tired. Eli's coughing. Salmon with outlaw chips as the binder. These salmon patty cakes were unbelievable. Burger style, toasted bun, no butter on the bun, crosshairs from the provider, a little bit of flaky. The tartar sauce was homemade, unorthodox, thinking outside the box, using what you got, leftover wise. We had goulash omelets today with the, the pulled Canada goose and some speck meat and some ground elk. I mean, come on. That's a meat lover's omelet. They were delicious too. I mean, you are literally walking in the company of excellence when you walk around Joel Clayfish when he's in the kitchen. <laughs> oh boy. That's the provider mentality. Kill what you or eat what you kill. Think outside the box. Be creative. Don't be wasteful. Don't be greedy. Use your leftovers. When that salad was left over last night, there was that much in the bag. I said, we'll use that for some. Jack ate half his omelet today. I said, put foil. Well, I'm just going to throw it away. I said, nope, put foil on that. We'll use that for something. We will use that omelet right there. Either a leftover just for a snack or we'll put it in something that's going to make sense. It's a cool mentality to have. I don't want to be wasteful. It's enjoyable too. Yeah. It's actually fun. I wish I could work in a restaurant. I wish I could work at a restaurant and take all the leftovers home in doggy yes. bags and use them if I trusted the people that were eating off of them. Yeah, no joke. I love leftovers. Not just but to can, warm back up. They kind of force you to be creative too. Creative. I love MacGyver. It. MacGyver stuff. You don't know what that called. That, the kitchen. You know, do you know MacGyver? Oh, yeah. My dad watched MacGyver all the time. He used hey, to that was an insult. Joel is not as old as your dad. He's only 60. I mean, my dad. I am not 60, by the way. How old are you? 46. You're, oh, that was way off. <laughs> I'll take business ethics for 100. <laughs> we are now dumber for listening to you and everything you had to say. <laughs> what movie? <laughs> He uh, goes, well, if pee in your pants is cool, consider me Miles Davis. I don't remember. And I'll just ruin your precious little field <laughs> trip. Good, great, grand. Stop looking at me, Swan. <clears throat> so, that was a good part. Clay can do that whole scene of the shampoo and the conditioner. Shampoo goes on first and cleans the hair. Conditioner goes on second and makes it all silky and shiny. Remember that? And, and they start fighting with the shampoo and conditioner bottle. And then he looks over in the faucets of Swanhead and he goes, Stop looking at me, Swan. Stop looking at me, Swan. Nudie Magazine Day. You don't remember ha uh, Billy Madison? Oh, God, that movie's funny. Anyway, this was a great podcast again, full of opinions, which are facts. And coughs. <laughs> your coughing is out of control. It's almost like you're sabotaging Joel and I. <laughs> we apologize for the coffee
coughing. The coughing coffee. It's weird that he coughs that much. But, hey, it's part of life. Thank you for supporting the provider, theproviderlife.com. And look for recipes from the provider right now. Joel Clayfish is on episode of Ted Nugent, Spirit of the Wild, appearing right now on the Outdoor Channel. That Ted Nugent, Uncle Ted, Spirit of the Wild with his beautiful wife, Shemaine. 90-second segments every week, all 13 original episodes brought to you by the provider. Chad Mendez, Ali Beck Stanley, Joel Clayfish, Clay Belding, Jennifer Swenson, Anna Van Nostrand, Chad Belding. Bubba Henderson's on there. We're doing recipes for Ted Nugent. How cool is that? That's pretty cool. That freaked you out when you saw you that on that show. That freaked me out. I mean, uh, you know, you grow up and... And you've got some things in life that would be pretty neat things to ever happen. And you kind of do your best to attempt to uh, aspire to them. And, you know, hooking up with you has been really part of a dream come true for me to be a, a very small part of something that airs on the outdoor channel and to make part of your life in the outdoors is a dream come true. And then you said to me, yeah, you know what? You're cooking segments on Ted Nugent's show, The Spirit of the Wild. And here's a guy who I've listened to and admired since I was a small child. I bought my first bow when I was eight years old from a guy named Greg Kazmierski in Waukesha, Wisconsin. And Greg Kazmierski hunted with Ted Nugent and Fred Bear. And to hear him tell me that, he hunted with Fred Bear and Ted Nugent. And Ted Nugent's always been this larger-than-life character. And to have a cooking segment on Ted Nugent's show, I mean, my my hair's standing up on my arms right now. It's pretty cool. To think of how cool that is. And uh, just to be part of the, the bigger message that harvesting wild game and putting it on the dinner table is a lifestyle that you can be proud of and enjoy and turn into some of the most literally fantastic eating you'll ever have like in tonight. your life. Like tonight with a recipe that was, I mean, that was the first time I ever made salmon cakes. Total made, totally made up tonight. Totally and nailed it. Created, creative and made it up and used the outlaw chips as the binder. And they were flaky yet burgerish and done perfectly on the Traeger. Life does not get better than that. Like my friend Chris Ravencroft says that caught those salmon. Life doesn't suck. <laughs> it does not. He says it all the time. It's awesome. And life's a bitch. It can be. Promise you. Quiet Riot sang a song called Love's a Bitch. It was on Mental Health, 1983 or 4. Besides. With Come On, Feel the Noise. But I agree 100% with what you're saying. Girls rock your boys. I love those albums of Quiet Riot. They were so good. But anyway, that mentality that Joel just described with Ted Nugent, you can see recipes of the provider on there. We just released an episode of the Fat Life podcast brought to you by Mojo Outdoors with the one and only Uncle Ted that we recorded at his house in his man cave. Yeah. How cool is that? And he plays guitar right in front of me on it. And I'm like, he was shredding that thing. It Did was, you? It was well, you sick. were in awe. I was in awe. It was sick. I just pictured me with my new drum set. Chad, Chad, slow down. A little bit more symbol. Chad, do the duck. Do the duck round. Take it, Ted. What of duck chatter? Of a duck call chatter. That's what I was thinking when he was playing the guitar. I'm like, I'm going to play the drums with Ted Nugent someday. And mark my words, I will. I'm going to say, Uncle Ted, I have mastered Stranglehold or Wango Tango. And I'm going to be like, 
and he's going to look at me and he's going to point at me. He's going to go, take it, Chad, for the solo. <clears throat> and I'm going to go, and I'm going to say, I'm going to spin my stick like this, Joel. And I'm going to throw this one up in the air and catch it and just keep the beat going. Like, I, that's what I envision. That's what I want to become good at when I retire from duck hunting. Yeah, give me a break. You will never retire from duck hunting. Oh, I'm close. Not a chance. Oh, yeah. Never. I don't get fired up about it anymore. You saw me in the blind yesterday. Baloney. <laughs> You're absolutely right, Chet. You're absolutely right. You two donkey dicks couldn't get laid in the morgue. You're absolutely right, Chet. You're absolutely How are you going to let him drive, Lisa? He ain't even got his driver's license. If you can name that one, this is going back. The whole concept was building and designing and manufacturing the perfect woman, Joel. Weird That's science. A, oh, he gets it. Remember Chet? You're absolutely right, Chet. You absolutely remember Anthony Michael Hall. Yes. You're absolutely well, right, Chet. Robert Downey Jr. was in that, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. He was the the best friend that helped make the girl. No, he was no, the bully. He was the bully because the they bully. ran to each other in the mall. Or yeah, something. They, yeah, yeah right, he was the girl. bully. So the name name the model. Oh, the brunette. That I can't, but I know she was a model back in the days of Jennifer. Uh, 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 Jennifer, the Fall Girl. What was the Fall Guy's girl? Jennifer Thomas. The blonde on the fall girl, Heather Locklear, Heather Thomas. Heather Thomas was fall guy. Heather Locklear was Tommy Lee's wife, and she was in some shows. She was a British British model. I don't remember her name. Uh, was it Elizabeth Hurley? No, no hell no. no, no She's no, way, way before. Her. And it wasn't Gina Davis, but she kind of looked like Gina Davis. Anyway, that 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 quote was my favorite line in that. But your the recipes are also being shown right now on the Fat Life TV. We're constantly cooking in camp. Kelly LeBrock. Kelly LeBrock. That's it. We're constantly cooking in camp. Foul Life season 14 of Benelli's The Foul Life is airing right now exclusively on the Outdoor Channel. Right. You could get the Spirit of the Wild and Foul Life episodes the same week and see the provider on there and get get ideas. You can go to theproviderlife.com for recipes. Order your cookbook online right now. Get the rubs. Sign cookbooks by myself, Chad Mendez. The cookbook is so awesome. Joel, is the cookbook awesome? It's fantastic. But the rubs and spices, the beauty of them is anything you have in your mind for a flavor that you want to introduce into what you're cooking. One of the spices or rubs has got that flavor in it, and I like to combine the flavors. You You can combine the rubs and make a completely new flavor. It's like red, you know, blue and... Yellow makes green. That was too deep for you or what? No, I think that <laughs> I think that I'm kind of I'm I'm lost in 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 how and I mean this, like this is what's going through my mind right now. There's not a better way to live. There's not. And how lucky we are to be sitting in this little tiny ash room right now at Goose Camp in upstate New York. And to eat that meal that we did. And I'm literally, I mean this, like it's going on one o'clock in the morning right now. And I'm, I'm tired, but I am so excited about life and getting to live this life. And we do work hard. Nothing's given to you, to us or any of our team, but I'm so not just fortunate and honored and humbled and have a ton of humility that we got to eat salmon that were taken care of the right way and traveled across this country after they were caught in Alaska and given to me, my good friend. And to take that much 
pride in what you prepared in them tonight and knowing what we're going to do when we wake up tomorrow i'm looking so forward to that of podcasting some more and cooking that goose and getting the nachos ready i'm envisioning i'm a big big time fan of visualization drills okay ever since baseball that's how i learned baseball was ted williams the art of the science of hitting chapter four is visualization so i've always been enamored by i'm visualizing that final product, the visualizing that final product of those nachos stacked up with jalapenos and the cheeses and the curds. I already have it in my head to be positioning the different colored chips in yeah. different places on. I have it in my head. I know exactly what you mean. And that's when the best. My, my wife asked me, you know, how do you how do you do it that, you know, it's going to turn out tasting well? And I have this weird thing in my head that I know as I'm putting ingredients in something, what the finished product's going to taste like ahead of time. 100 percent. It's I'm the same so way. weird. It's so awesome, though. That's it's how, so awesome. That, that's the best. I've gotten to the point, Chad, where. I get as excited about the cooking and eating of something as I do about the hunt. That sounds crazy, right? No, it doesn't. That Not sounds to me. absolutely crazy. Not to me because I uh, that's what I tell people. During the scout, I'm visualizing the hunt. Yes. I'm like setting it up in my head. Wind, roost, coming from this direction, this direction, decoy spread, blind, dog hide, concealment, flagging, sounds. I mean, I'm visualizing it all the way down to the pile pick that we talked about earlier. Yes. Which we don't need all the time. But- as soon as that dog brings back that first bird, and I know we got him, it's working, I start visualizing the recipe. Me too. And when I'm in Canada, when I'm in Canada, there's nothing better than smoking their ass in the morning and getting them. And I mean getting them good. And I got word yesterday that we might be able to go back to Canada next year without the vaccination. Going to be cool if it happens, Lord willing. 11 a.m. cold beer gumbo pot with Louisiana Cajuns up there. Uh, I've been in camp in Canada so many times and in America, in Kansas, Nebraska, all over with Cajuns. And we get those speck legs and those mallard legs going and browning in that roux. And then the onions and the stuff going in there. And it's the camaraderie and the stories and their accent. And they're like, I got an accent. They tell me I got an accent and we're, we're just cutting up. And I look at that and I compare it to tonight and today. And the people we meet around here and what we're going to be doing tomorrow with 14 people are joining us tomorrow. There's going to be 18 people. I'm a little nervous about that. I'm 18 not people in this little ass place that I'm we're not, staying I'm in. a little nervous oh, about that. Oh, I'm not. That. We're going to kill it. Did something I say make you cough? We're going to kill it. <laughs> um, so I'm fired up. But I'm my, I, when, I, when I got caught with my tongue and my... I... Uh, I start, I get real sentimental about the lifestyle. I get really sentimental about, do I need to pinch myself that it's Monday and I'm sitting here talking about cooking wild game and hunting and getting ready to work tomorrow. We can't hunt again tomorrow because it's raining too hard. I'm not going out in the rain with our cameras, but I'm going to get work done. And then it comes Wednesday. When it come Wednesday when that sun comes out and those in scattered clouds. Oh, Wow. Our boys, the Hodge brothers, get here tomorrow, and we're going to have five days in a row of unbelievable Canada goose hunting. I know we're going to get them. Yes. Okay, it's just going to get better with these north winds coming, Mm -hmm. with this molt migration. So, we're going to keep getting work done, but I get so sentimental that it's Monday, and we're getting paid to hunt. It's better than being a professional baseball player, because those baseball players want to be in goose camp. 
I do kind of want to go hit a bomb because I would smoke Max Scherzer and I through six hitless innings. I just I would have smoked one off him. Is it weird? Inside fastball, 97 miles an hour on the inner half. I turn on it, launch it over the right center wall. Guaranteed. He throws me outer half. I let it get deep, hit the ball where it's pitched, stand up double off the left center wall. If it goes in the gap and rolls the fence, I'm, I'm sl- head diving into third base with a triple. Standing up, clapping my hands. The dust flies off my batting gloves. My third base coach taps me in the ass, tells me to watch the move and the pick to third. On the winning run, I'm going to tag up with my wheels. It's going to be a mid-right field, second baseman's underneath it, fly ball, and I'm going to freaking score on the tag up, on the sack fly, in shallow right field with the second baseman. His momentum's going back, and he's not going to be able to gather himself and get enough ump on the throw to get it to the catcher. I'm going to head dive into home plate, which is a no-no, but I'm still going to do it. My left hand, the tips of my fingers are going to go underneath the catcher's glove, and I'm going to slide across home plate, look up at the umpire. He's going to yell, safe! And then I'm going to be in the kitchen making nachos with my boys at Goose Camp. You've never thought of that before, have you? I visualized it just now. Very detailed story. No, it's just, it's just, it's just, no, I'm just passionate about success. I could say the same kind of story with a ping pong or a soccer ball or Brett Favre or Joe Montana throwing me a football and me being Dwight Clark with the catch in the back of the end zone. And then I come into the locker room and I take my shoulder pads off and this guy walks in. He says, Mr. Belding Clark, here's your Benelli. Here's your calls. We got some ducks out here in the San Francisco Bay that need hunted. And then I go out there and I still got my pads on and my girdle, my cleats, but I got face mask on and camo jacket. And here they come cupping up. Oh, they're maple even. Like them geese were yesterday. And here comes these mallards. Get ready, y'all. And then we're going to quack them to the water. Jerk string. Joel, pull the jerk string. Get the ripples on the water. Muddy milk out there. Muddy chocolate milks out there. Here they come. Sun shining. Freaking decoy spread looks made. Mallards up the yin yang. Here they come. They're about to fish. Nope. They just went one more pass. Nope. 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 Hold on, guys. When they get out there a little bit. Spin them on a dime. Now we got mallards for gumbo in the San Francisco freaking bay that Steve Perry at Journey sings about all the time and that Frank Sinatra sang about. Imagine that. We can go down to Fisherman's Wharf with these mallards and probably accompany them with a freaking sourdough bowl of clam chowder. Chowder. Sounds good to me. Is that not a good visualization? It's fantastic. Is it weird that when I pick up a goose in the middle of a cornfield and I'm bringing back a goose in my hands that my sometimes my mouth waters because I'm thinking about what kind of food I'm going to make with it? I think it's, it's the best. Weird? I think it's the. I don't think it's weird at all. Why would that be weird? Just because you know it's. It's a carcass at that point, but I'm already thinking about what it's going to end up looking like when it hits the plate. I think that that's the right mentality. I think that 
going hunting with any different mentality. I think I did an interview today for a news, uh, a, a, a news radio station in Sacramento, California. And one of the questions was about sports hunting and sport hunting and trophy hunting and all that. And I truly believe that if it's ethical and legal, cool. But if you don't have somewhat of an, of a mentality and approach and, and strategy to eat that, that you're going to hunt, that's weird to me. Now you go to Africa and you kill a lot of animals over there and you feed the tribes and the locals over there. Yes. That's cool. That's go. That game's going the whole time. You eat it the whole time you're there, but you can't bring it back here. Right. So now you're feeding those locals in those tribes and the pHs and all the hunters and all that. That's cool. Plus the tourism and the money and everything. And now you're managing the populations. You're you're bringing clean water to people with the fees you're paying to hunt. Yeah. All that. So that's the, 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 Culture of hunting is awesome, but I hope my hope would be that most of us are in it because of the food. I, I'm telling you, I early season, I get an idea in my head what I want to make for dinner. And then I start, you know how, if you know, you're going to have something for dinner, you start looking forward to it all day long. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. The food that I'm going to make with the goose then I find myself in the conundrum of being in the field on maybe a less than successful hunt, getting worried I'm not going to harvest something because I got my mindset on the type of food I'm going to eat. Exactly. I, I get in the same mindset of like, man, I want to. And a lot of times people have heard me say it on the foul life of like, look, we know that they weren't in here. We know we're not on the X. We know that we don't have much time because it's warm outside. It's right. an evening hunt. We wanted this west wind with suns going down. It's going to be in their right. eyes. But here's the deal. They're not going to come off till the very end. We're not, we're, we might have two flocks. And you know what I tell them? I look at them. I said, look, we're hunting for our dinner tonight. And they go, what do you mean? I go, I got this, I got this idea of what ended up becoming the Mallard Duck Nerf football. And Joel Wicker was responsible for this with me in Arkansas, that we designed a football, a stuffed mallard. That the first one we made was in the shape of a football for some reason. So we called it the Nerf football because it was soft. It wasn't like pig sure. skin. So it became the Nerf football and it was stuffed with garlic and, and onions and peppers and all this stuff. I'm not a big jalapeno fan with a lot of, a lot of wild game. I like jalapeno in certain instances and like a dove popper or a teal popper. I like, but I'm not a big duck popper fan. I just like a lot of other recipes. I like duck poppers, but man, that day that I'm talking about, I just, I had, barbecue pulled goose sandwiches in my head like i couldn't believe and then i'm sitting there and i start getting nervous about the fact that i might not i might not kill one to have because i was craving a pulled goose barbecue sandwich and they're so good just that, super simple we're gonna make enough goose tomorrow and the next day that we're gonna have be we're gonna do the nachos we're gonna be able to do sandwiches the omelets with that stuff god oh, they're so good they then amazing. enchiladas and taquitos like it's perfect taquito meat like you mentioned like yep. I'm fired up for all that, but that whole mentality and that whole sentimental feeling about how special this life is. I don't know if you get that with anything else. I don't think you sit around the golf course in the clubhouse after going, this this is really making me emotional about this golf course and and my five iron today. That's the reason I'm constantly trying to drag people into the field to, to show them hunting for the first time. It's the best because I want them to understand the way I feel. It's the best. I want to share. I want them to feel the way I feel when I take, and it might not be the first time. It might take a while because you're going to keep learning. 
Yeah, usually though, when you get out in the field with someone who's never been and and they har- harvest their first animal, the first thing they do is look at you. They don't jump up and down, start cheering. They look at you because they look at you in disbelief. They want you to tell them you did it. You did it. You killed it. It's, it's go get it. They love it. Let's put it on the table. And it's cool to see the retention right after that. Yes. So cool. Having an open mind about shooting guns and and taking the responsibility to harvest an animal for eating and for to, to, for the culinary part of it is the coolest lifestyle in the world. The responsibility that goes into it, the accountability that goes into it, the skill set of honing your skill set of taking that right there, that experience that you're talking about and saying, oh my God, I did it. It builds confidence. It builds character. It You become a man and a woman. It brings people closer together. It's therapeutic. It's so therapeutic, it's mind-blowing. Then on top of all of that, the the pride I have, I love looking at my duck mounts, okay? When I walk in and I see those pintail that I just got back, that's sick mount. Yeah. My mallards, my bar mount that we, John Shaw's Lodge in Idaho, that dead mount's got 39 dead mounts on it with three, 36 dead mounts and then three widgeon jumping off the top. And it was the emulated duck club after your morning shoot. You're having a cold beer with your buddies and some, you know, some snacks and you're and the ducks are still flying around the marsh or the trees. And your ducks are hanging there waiting to go to the processor, waiting for you to clean them after your cold beer and, and telling everybody how the hunt was. Yeah, the mount's cool. perfect. I love taxidermy. But you know what I love more than looking at taxidermy? Eating I meat. love, I love my well-groomed organized and and a lot of this has to do with our sponsor meet meet your maker but my freezers and the packaging and the vacuum sealing and the labeling and the dates and the chronological order and the and the 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 4-h is here and the ffa is here and the american almond beef is here and the fish is here and the ducks are here doesn't stay organized perfectly all the time because you lose control of like something slides off and you got to go put it back. And then you got your boot in here and all your Cajun food here. It, it, I, I take so much pride in opening that freezer and Me going too. and going, Oh my God, I'm running low on halibut. I got to freaking do some bartering or we got to kill some freaking ducks. We got to get some more ducks here. Fred Zink made a comment the other night in his kitchen. Gunner was sitting there and me and Jack are sitting there eating with him, having a Jack Daniels and eating. We were eating walleye, dove and steak. Wow. And it was amazing. And Gunner and him start talking. I hear Freddie. They're not talking to me. I just overhear him. Not eavesdropping, but we're all in the kitchen together. And he says, when I was leaving the farm today, I saw I saw enough dove to kill. He goes underneath that tree down there in South Eastern. You're coming out. You stand right there. He goes. And Freddie looks at Gunner and goes, because we're running low on dove. And I went, oh, wow, that's freaking awesome. Because they eat every one of them. Yes. And the ones he made that night were delicious. And so he's sitting there going, we're running low on dove. Right. It's dove season's out pretty soon. We got to get over there by that tree and smoke them before they migrate. And we drove into the farm the next morning to see him. And I saw them dove he were talking about. And I saw the tree he was talking about. Because I listen. I'm like, I know what he's talking about. I've been there. And the dove were there in the morning. You could have smoked their ass and get this. So I call Freddie when we get here. When we got to Syracuse, we're watching the Mets. I said, hey, man, wanted to let you know we made it because you told me to tell you. And also, I want you to know I had a blast last night. And we had left that day and we went to his pizza parlor. Him and Don own a pizza parlor in Port Clinton. And Freddie, uh, it was Friday. And Freddie's like, tonight's the night to be here. Thursday or Friday. I don't remember what night it was when we got here. Wednesday, maybe it was Thursday. And um, 
they have live music. It's Friday. It was live music and pizza for the night. And I said, do you guys come down here and partake? They're like, oh yeah, we come down here. It's like a small, they've been going there before they bought it for years. Grow, you know, going to that area of Ohio. They go down there and talk to the locals all night. Thank them. Talk hunting, talk fishing, walleye fishing on Lake Erie, all the shit, right? So when I called Freddie, I said, what are you doing? You Are you already done at the pizza parlor? Because he told me he was going down there because we had lunch there before we left. He goes, nah, I didn't make it down there yet. He goes, I stopped. He goes, I I, I, I stopped at the store and got a rotisserie chicken because I couldn't stand anymore. I had to go kill them dove. And he just went and killed a limited dove. <laughs> Driving home, he gets a rotisserie chicken. He comes home. He cleans the dove, gets them in salt water in his refrigerator. He's going to package them or cook them the next day or, or vacuum seal them. Eats his chicken, gets a shower, goes down and, and says hi to the locals and hangs out at the pizza parlor and the bar for a couple hours on a Friday night. No cooler lifestyle in the freaking world. He visualized it. He saw where they were. He went and harvested them. And he got the the, the, the night before he cooked some dove for friends. And we got to tell stories and reminisce and we're FaceTiming Grant Kuypers in Canada and we're FaceTiming Brian Bowers at a steakhouse in Scottsdale. Talking, reminiscing, setting up new, new, new plans to hunt again. There is not a cooler lifestyle than being a duck hunter, a duck hunter. Now hunting is awesome. All hunting deer, turkey, predators, sheep. African big game, South American, you name it, Russia. There's nothing cooler in the world than being a duck hunter. Lifestyle. That's an opinion of mine, but it's fact. Thank you. Do we end it on that story about Fred Zink? But the theory in the, the, the part of it that I want to get across is that this lifestyle is special. This culture is special that we should not take this for granted one bit. Like I miss my dad every day. He died at 54 of a heart attack in antelope, archery antelope camp. I wish he was here right now. He'd be here with me right now. Traveling. He never got to see our success. He never got to see any of this. He died in 2006, two years before the foul life was started. August 9th, 2006, during archery antelope camp in Nevada. Missed the antelope that morning at 43 yards on video. Shot right underneath his brisket. See the arrow go underneath him. If he'd have killed him, he'd have been back for medical help if he so happened to have a heart attack that evening. Weird story. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but I miss my dad every day because of, of our times in the field. My last goose hunt with my dad was Christmas Eve, 2005. I hunted into January. He went to Mexico and killed a mule deer with my cousin in January. I hunted with him on Christmas Eve. That was my last hunt. I got a big picture on my living room wall. It's foggy. We smoked him. Couldn't see him coming from the roost. You hear him and he's just soft clucks. They drop down to that fog. You're shooting them at like eight feet by the time they appeared. It was unreal. Or my last time with my old man. But he taught me how special the lifestyle of hunting is and cooking wild game. So it's all relative of what you want to get out of it. But I would take it to my grave that what we experienced today with those salmon patties and that provider recipe and what we're going to continue to experience and being in a position that I'm in, that I've been there, done that so many times. And I asked Freddie in his truck, neither one of you are there, but Jack will attest to this. I said, Freddie, you're 52 years old now, 53. I said, you excited for duck season? That's He's been everywhere and he's done it all. He looks at me and goes, I don't think I've ever been this excited in my life. Mm -hmm. He says, I got my own properties now. He's at a different level now. 
he's elevated it to a new level of not not that it's he's better than anybody, but he's it's cha- it's a different stage in his hunting career. He's managing his properties. He bought dirt. He's farming for ducks. He built a lodge. He's ex- more excited than ever. He said, and he's seen thousands. His dog told. I think he told Anna on a phone call. We were FaceTiming Anna, or he told Jack that his black lab Max that was in there, seven years old, is is going to pick up his nineteen thousandth bird this season. Wow. I think that's true. I'll that's check with insane. Freddie tomorrow. I'll confirm that tomorrow on another episode of the podcast. 19,000th bird. He's in his 18,000s. Traveling for DUTV, for Zinc videos 24-7, AVNX TV, all that stuff. 18,000 birds. I think that's birds. what it was. I'm going to check with Jack and Anna tomorrow to see if it was. Or today, because it's today. Welcome to the Today Show. Your hosts. Joel and Eli, Sir Coffalot, they call him. And yours truly, Chad Belding. It's been another episode of The Provider Presents the Foul Life Podcast. This is my midnight DJ voice. We're going to take you out with a soft jazz tune, 2 a.m. logic, my foul life. Be unorthodox, think outside the box, be a wild game aficionado like joel clayfish if you want to follow joel you could find him on instagram at joel j-o-e-l clayfish k-l-e-e-f-i-s-c-h you can find him on episodes of ted nugent spirit of the wild the foul life tv the provider tv the foul life midwest podcast he hosts on a weekly basis he has some awesome guests on there and as we leave you tonight on the foul life podcast take your robitussin Do not cough into the microphone. Think outside the box. And don't forget to stay ducky. Stay ducky, San Diego. Gosh, dang it. Who wrote that on Burgundy's teleprompter? You know damn well he reads everything off the teleprompter. Ron Burgundy, stay ducky, my man. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. I hope you fall asleep to these sounds. Just like Don Williams sang about and good old boys like me sitting there with his transistor radio listening to Wolfman Jack. I could sing that song for you all, but I would rather you fall asleep to Mallard Ducks with coughing in the background. Start to close your eyes. Put your cheek on that cold pillow. Stick your feet out of the covers at the bottom of your bed. Feel that cold air. You can hear the coughing behind me as the cold north wind blows at your back. Don't don't shift around. Shut your mind off. Don't worry about your Instagram. Nobody gives a shit.com is where a lot of that stuff's going to end up. You look at your dog. His eyes are telling you everything you need to know. It's duck season. Think about all the farmers in America that are going to wake up at 5 a.m. and start that combine up and till the land and manicure it for that white-tailed deer, those rodents, those turkeys. 
to indulge in. Sustainability. Educate yourself tomorrow when you wake up from this nap you're about to take. I want you to sleep tight with visions of mallards dancing in your head, bending the wind, acrobatic moves they make, listening to your call and reacting to it. Jargon, the specialized vocabulary amongst a group of people or animals. You should be closing your eyes more and more. That moon's going away. It's about to be right. Enjoy your night. This has been the Foul Life Podcast. For Eli and Joel, we'll be back at you soon. We truly appreciate all your support. Sleep tight tonight. His and hers, duck hunters, let's unite and be the best duck hunters we can be. And remember, sleep peaceful my friends it's about to be on in the morning Soul, I'm riding hard and never quitting.